Welcome to SLU Law Summations, presenting brief looks at legal matters that matter to you by St. Louis University School of Law, located in the heart of downtown St. Louis. Netflix hit show Bridgerton has taken the world by storm. The Regency era piece set in London has had everyone talking since it premiered in late 2020. It should not be surprising that the show inspired fan tons of fan fiction. When the unofficial Bridgerton musical by Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear was shown live in concert for a profit, Netflix filed a lawsuit for blatant infringement of intellectual property rights. In today's episode, we are speaking with Professor Yvette Liebesman about the lawsuit and the complications regarding fan fiction in general. Professor Liebesman is an expert in copyright and trademark law and is SLU Law's resident intellectual property scholar. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. All right. To start us off, can you tell us why, from a legal perspective, that Netflix might not have taken action against Barlow and Bear when they first started this whole thing? Okay. Well, um, when um, Ms. Barlow made her TikTok video about mm-hmm. what if Bridgerton was a musical, this was fan fiction. She did it for fun. She did it because she enjoyed the show and it brought more interest in the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And shows like, you, you know, people, you know, they like this kind of publicity. It's free. And as long as it's not disparaging on the actual piece, it's enjoyable. And mm-hmm. they don't want to cut into people who are enjoying and creating, building on what they did, as long as it's not interfering with Netflix's own goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where fan fiction actually is in general. Writing and telling a story, using the same character, sharing it with friends as amusement is usually almost always tolerated. Mm-hmm. Now, Netflix... They were approached by Ms. Barlow and Ms. Barlow wanted permission. And they said, we're not going to give you authorization, but we're not going to stop you either. Mm -hmm. And you kind of understand that if a whole bunch of people are making their own fan fiction, short videos, or their own short stories about the Bridgerton characters, and one person says they're authorized, either everybody's going to be like, oh my goodness, I'm not authorized and contact Netflix for authorization. Or they're actually going to feel like they can't do it because they're not authorized. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, you know, so in a way it makes sense to not just give one person, quote, authorization, just say, you know what, stay within the bounds of fan fiction and mm-hmm. we'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So it's a generally tolerated genre, right? For the most part, mm-hmm. some authors will put limits on it, such as J.K. Rowling doesn't want uh, you to be writing and publishing any sex scenes regarding her characters. Okay. Okay. That's a reasonable uh, limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they will usually tolerate it to an extent. Mm-hmm. And the biggest mm-hmm. thing is that you're not making money on it and you're mm-hmm. not cutting into their profits, the copyright owner's profits, or even avenues where they may decide to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think I read about this case in particular that they were pretty, Netflix was pretty supportive in the beginning, like, you know, encouraging and like putting out statements and stuff. So, 
saying we love it. Our actors love it. They think it's awesome. Someone's putting the dialogue from our shows into a musical form, into mm-hmm. a song. And remember that that's very important here too, is that they really, you know, uh, the, the Ms. Um, Barlow and Ms. Bayer were not really creating any new lyrics for the most part. They were literally taking the dialogue and putting it to song. Mm-hmm. They're not, that's, not, you know, that's not a hundred percent creative. They didn't come up with their own dialogue. Mm-hmm. They didn't come up with their own plot points. Netflix found this amusing. A lot of the actors that were performing in it found it amusing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Thanks yeah. for doing this. Yeah. That makes sense. So then the Netflix claims they offered Barlow and Bear a, a license to perform their shows live, but but then the two refused. And then how common is an agreement like that? And what impact do you think it would have had um, on the lawsuit if they, they did in fact refuse it? I guess. Yeah. Well, it's, it, there's a couple steps before that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first it was just a cute song. Mm-hmm. Then Ms. Bear and Ms. Barlow created more songs based mm-hmm specifically on the dialogue and the plot point, the plot of Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. And they turned it into an album. And Netflix was like, you know, you're cutting close to the line. Just right. don't do any live performances and we'll be good. Okay. Don't do any live performances. Mm-hmm. Then this album wins an it wins some Grammys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and something got into these women's heads where now they decided they were going to do a live performance Where in the past, they asked for authorization. They didn't even do that this time. They just said, we're doing it. We don't care what you want. Right. And first they said, we're doing a charity event in London. Mm -hmm. And Netflix was like, oh, it's going to look bad. This is my own thinking that it's probably going to look bad for them to tell them no when the money's going to a charity. So instead Netflix said, don't do any more. And the women said, oh, we don't plan on doing any more. We don't want to be known just for this. And that event ended up not happening because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they decided they were doing a live performance at the Kennedy Center and charging a lot of money and selling all sorts of goodies. Mm-hmm. After they'd already told Netflix that they wouldn't do this. I see. And Netflix then contacted, said, like, no, you know, if you want a license, we'll give you a license because you're basically now using our goodwill, using Mm -hmm. our show, and making money off of it. It's no longer just fan fiction, you having fun. Now you are monetizing it, you are commercializing Mm -hmm. it. And you know what? We own just about everything you're doing there. (laughs) We own the right for you to make those derivative works, we own the right of reproduction, we own the right of that public performance. Okay. They're publicly performing the dialogue with those characters, which are all copyrighted by Netflix. So they're like, you're using our stuff. You got to pay. We'll give you a reasonable license. They didn't care. They, the, the spokesperson communicating with Netflix says, we're going to do what we want. And no, we're not going to have a license from them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when they put on the show at the Kennedy center not only did they put on the show, they had Broadway actors in it, and they were selling Bridgerton goodies, yeah. mm-hmm. souvenirs. So now, not only do you have they, they not only do you have all this copyright infringement, and they're making a lot of money on it, but now they're also using Netflix's brand, and mm-hmm. that's trademark infringement as well. Mm-hmm. 
So all because they felt that they, as I always say, when people say I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission, mm-hmm. what they're forgetting is it's usually pretty cheap permission and really expensive forgiveness. Right, right. I mean, I am not a lawyer and I know full well that you can't just put somebody else's like name on it. I don't understand. Maybe they thought they had some would you think they maybe had thought they had some rights to that because of the musical piece that they had created that? Well, they, to your point, they didn't create any of the words. They just created the music. I don't know. Well, I you can know. infringe on a song, mm-hmm. whether you, if you take either the lyrics or the melody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fact that these lyrics were from the dialogue from Bridgerton, one of their six rights you get as a copyright owner. Mm-hmm. And three of them were infringed on here, okay? They copied the work, they made a derivative work by turning it into a song, and they publicly performed it. Mm -hmm. All three of those rights were infringed on. Right. Okay? And I don't know if they were just kept pushing the envelope because Netflix wasn't pushing back hard, Mm -hmm. or they got bad advice. These are young women. They yeah. just gotten bad advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, you know, it's there. There's a lot of misconceptions in general about copyright and trademark law. Mm-hmm. Someone may have convinced them that this was fair use, right? Mm-hmm. Which it wasn't, first of all, and second of all, fair use is what I call part of that whole thing of expensive forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Fair use is a defense. So when you go to court, let's say. Let's say I was one of these young women, okay? I'm claiming it's fair use. What does that mean? That means I'm sued. We Mm -hmm. go to court. Netflix makes their case, their what's called their prima facie case, showing all the elements of infringement. Then I get a chance for my defense. And then I can raise that fair use defense, which would fail in this case. Mm -hmm. But let's say it passed. Let's say the judge said, yeah, or the jury said, yes, it's fair use. I have spent a whole lot of money for that forgiveness. Right, right. So (laughs) people that say fair use, they don't realize that's what we're really, uh, that if you have to go to court over fair use, that's really expensive forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I guess we should say when we're talking about going to court that they actually, we just found out today um, that they didn't go to court, correct? They They settled. They it. They, what they, well, what they did is they settled. And Mm. when you settle a case, the plaintiff uh, tells, or the, or the, or the defense, once I tells the judge, it's usually the, I'm, I'm not a litigator, so I apologize <laughs> if I messed this up. It's the, the plaintiff says, um, we are dropping the lawsuit. Uh-huh. And the reason we're dropping the lawsuit is that the two sides have reached an agreement. Okay. It's a settlement. Mm-hmm. So the two sides have settled. They've reached an agreement And my guess is the young women realized it was going to cost them a lot to fight this. Yeah. And someone explained to them that their use was not fair use Mm -hmm. for several reasons. It fails on at least three of the elements of fair use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want me to go through? Yeah, that would be great, actually. That was going to be a fun. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. So when, when when you want to say something is fair use, what you're saying is you're using it in such a way that you don't need permission from the copyright owner. Mm -hmm. And it's very limited. 
And the courts have come up with four factors. And it actually was first with the courts coming up with the four factors, and then it was codified in the copyright statute. Mm -hmm. So the first one is, has to do with the nature of the work. So what are you doing? What, what exactly, um, the exact language is, what is the purpose and the character of the use by mm -hmm. the defendant? Okay. Uh -huh. Is it commercial in nature? Is it, and the key, what they're looking for is something that's transformative. You've added to it. You've changed it. You've morphed it. Okay. So it fails there for two reasons. One, they really didn't change anything. Mm -hmm. They just put the words to music. Mm -hmm. That's not really a change. It's not commentary. It's not satire. It's not parody. And two, that commercial nature. This was different than them just selling a song because right. even a parody song. Okay. Well, yeah, you're going to sell it. So that really isn't as huge a factor, but mm -hmm. having a live performance of those show, of those songs is very commercial in nature. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's one factor. Totally. They're not going there. They're not getting that one. And oftentimes that's the most important one. Mm -hmm. The second factor has to do with the nature of the copyrighted work, the nature of the plaintiff's work. So things that are like biographies with lots of facts and things like that, you know, facts aren't really copyrightable. There isn't as much protection as something that is a creative and original. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Bridgerton is a creative work. That also doesn't really help um, the two women. Mm -hmm. The third one has to do with how much is used, both qualitatively and quantitatively. Uh, did you use all of their work? How much of it was your work? Like if your work was 90% their work, not a good thing. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. um, it also has to do with, I only took a little, but I took all the really important parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not good. Okay. And the last one also is really, really bad for them. That has to do with what is the effect of this infringing work on the potential market or value for the copyrighted work? So these women, by putting on this live show, yeah. have cut into the potential market of Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. If Bridgerton wants to do live shows, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. If so, that has it, it, it has affected Bridgerton's value, right? So it's not a winning argument. Fair use for them, at least from my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, other. Attorneys may differ, and that's fine, but my reading of it is they are not yeah. going to be fair. Right, me. right. Because, I mean, I, so I started thinking about, okay, when we're thinking about music, like there's parodies of all sorts of songs. I mean, there's Weird Al Yankovic or people that sample artists that sample other artists' work. I assume, I mean, I know sometimes people run into trouble that end up paying mm -hmm. for it, but they've probably paid for some sort of rights to those songs that they're sampling. Yes. Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic has an interesting model. Okay. Mm -hmm. He always tries to ask for permission. Okay. And if he gets the permission, he sells the song. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't give, get permission, he gives it away for free. Huh. It's always parody. He always does a parody or a satire yeah. based yeah. on whatever the song is. Mm -hmm. But that first element, yeah, it's a parody. But what he's also doing is not charging for it. So yeah. it gets rid of that monetary element of the first mm -hmm. factor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so an another question that kind of 
talked about this a little bit. Fan fiction and and fan art are extremely popular forms of fan engagement and expression. We've talked about that, but is it, it it's not often that we hear about lawsuits directed at these works, correct? Or like, and and why why is that? I think you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but the only suits I'm aware of are where the person doing the fan fiction then tried to monetize it. Right. So we have this case, they're trying to make a lot of money for profit. And the other case I'm familiar with had to do with a person who created an online encyclopedia for all the Harry Potter stuff. And that was fine. But then they were talked into actually publishing it as a book and selling it. Mm -hmm. And that's when the lawsuit happened. And that's when they lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oftentimes so, they'll be, we'll be like, fine, you can do this, but do not print it. Do not sell it. Do not charge money for it. And that's mm-hmm. really the line that these, that most, most, you know, it's flattering to have somebody do fan fiction of your yeah, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's bringing more notoriety and publicity to your stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But what you don't want that person to do is cut into your profits. Right. So basically you can, if you wanted to write fan fiction, you can, your only, your only outlet is really online, just out there in, in the freedom of, you're not making money, just writing it, writing it online. Right. Well, fan fiction is really old. Fan fiction is as old as fiction. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fan fiction true. is really old. <laughs> So it used to, you know, think about it. You you read a book and you're like, oh, I love this book. So you write, start writing your own stories and then you share it with your friends over tea or coffee or wine, you know, and this is fan fiction before the days of the internet. When I was nine years old, my best friend and I loved Planet of the Apes, the TV show. That is not at all what I thought you were going to say. Episodes (laughs) that we tape recorded on audio. Uh That's fan fiction. You know, nobody ever heard these but us. We thought they were awesome. Of course, we're nine years old. Yeah. Okay. So there are, I mean, there are a lot of outlets. Yeah. I think now we're see. there's always been fan fiction, but it's one, there's a lot more people in the world. Yeah. So there's a lot more people to write it. And now we have the ability to share it with a broader audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Which is fine. And most, you know, most places are, this is fine. You know, just don't do things that just, you know, cause ill repute on the characters mm-hmm. or make money off the stuff um, because it's ours. Yeah. Yeah. And my guess in terms of the settlement is that they probably reached a license. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was money involved. Yeah. It would probably be a little trickier with trademark infringement because that trademark requires any licensing requires the brand owner to um, basically police for quality of mm-hmm. the goods. And if they just give a license without a requirement for making sure that the licensee is producing quality goods, you know, ver- via them, they can actually lose rights to the mark. It's called naked licensing or, or okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I almost little... made a joke about Richardson. And... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
so yeah, so that's, um, so yeah, so it's a little tricky. Uh, you know, the sediment will probably stay confidential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if Netflix is a public company, maybe the terms will come out in their annual mm-hmm. report. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But that's, my guess is that the women realized it was going to cost them a whole yeah. lot of money and they were going to probably lose anyway. It all comes down to the money. How I think do you- also what affected it was that they realized that most of the public um, attitude was actually in support of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That they didn't have the public supporting the women behind them for what they mm-hmm. were doing. Mm-hmm. That people realized they crossed the line and yeah. they really weren't getting the support. I think they were that season for. two, and everybody wants that season three. They're going to support enough. <laughs> well, <I> exactly. <laughs> um, so, what do you think? Like, what kind of impact do you think that this lawsuit will have on um, future fan works, if any? I think that it will. I mean, for, I mean, first of all, Netflix didn't stop them when it was just fan fiction. Yeah. And so I don't think people who write fan fiction, write songs, make videos, I don't think that as long as they're keeping it within those confines, mm-hmm. they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, if Netflix, think about what the bad press it would have been for Netflix if they'd gone after those TikTok videos when they came out. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, it, it, one, Netflix doesn't want to look bad, but two, Netflix thought they were kind of cute and they were driving business. Um, I think that fan fiction people just have to worry about crossing that line. Yeah. But there are ways to do it even. So uh, without worrying about you, uh, there are ways to cross that line actually and be mm-hmm. okay. And the mm-hmm. one instance I think of is Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey was originally. We are really made, getting into to yeah. all the. Oh, the yeah. Well, Fifty, believe it or not, Fifty Shades of Grey was based on fan fiction over the. Um, oh darn! And now I'm forgetting the name. You know, with that Team Edward, the. Oh um yeah, Twilight. Twilight. Okay, mm-hmm. it was actually originally based on Twilight. Okay, I'm guessing the person who originally wrote it said, "Oh, instead of vampires, let's have sadists." And then they changed the names. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe I never knew that. But now I'm yeah. starting to see the parallel. So I don't know the full story behind it, but I am aware that yeah. it was originally started as fan fiction for the Twilight for Twilight books. So now the writing of Fifty Shades, I confess to, but now that makes more sense. <laughs> to be honest with you. I've never read it. Uh, I've never seen the movies. Okay. I've never read Twilight. I've never seen the movies. Um, it's been a while for me. I yes. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah. So, fan, you know, there are ways if you make, an, you know, if you, mm-hmm. you and, and this comes down to the concept of copyright that you only own the ex, your original expression of an idea and not the idea itself. Okay. So if I see a, um, a movie, mm-hmm. I say, that's a really cool movie and I like it. And I like the general idea of, you know, space pirates, let's say mm-hmm. whoever made that space pirate movie does not have a monopoly on space pirate movies. Mm-hmm. They have a monopoly on their original expression of space pirate movies. Mm-hmm. 
but my space pirate movie is going to have space pirates in it. So they right. can't have a monopoly on. But if I have a specific space pirate who talks a certain way and looks a certain way and acts a certain way to the point where they are copyrightable themselves, mm-hmm. then I can't really copy. Okay. So we can do a move. We can write something up on um, flight, uh, Air Force or Navy pilots, but just not Maverick, right? Yeah, we can. Okay. So, for example, there's a there's a what's called the hero story. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is an orphan raised by horrible relatives who comes across a special weapon, and with the help of a friend and a mentor who dies, defeats the great evil and saves the community. Right. That is Star Wars. That's Harry Potter. That's James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. That is the Lion King. Yeah. That is King Arthur's story. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. all start with a general idea. But mm-hmm. if I were instead to have someone who was doing this in space and loses their hand and uses lightsabers and someone says, Luke, I'm your father. Okay. <laughs> then that's more specific. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. Um, all right. Well, I feel I have like I feel like we have, I have a lot more questions, but <laughs> this could go on forever. So <laughs> I, I I got nowhere to go. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. But now I don't remember them. Shoot. Um. Anyway. Well, we'll end it here, and I know we'll come back to something as as soon as I I can think of something. This has been the the most in depth conversation that I've ever had with, on Bridgerton. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. Right. So. And maybe next time we can talk about the Hamilton lawsuit. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Another one of my faves. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for Slew Law Summations, produced by St. Louis University School of Law. <laughs>